2: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com
0: Sundown on Lake Washita and I was ten years old Watching a daddy teach his boy. How to cast a fishing pole And I remember wishing that I had what he had
1: One chance to go fishing with my dad Hey everybody, it's Jim Asker. I'm the country Sit Christian out. Gospel chart manager at Billboard on the Chart Beat podcast with the one and only Bobby Bones. Of ah, the Bobby you. Bones show. Hi Bobby.
0: Thank you very much. The one and only, thankfully, there are no more than just one. <laughs> Bobby, who
1: just got off the air um, this morning, they'll be hearing this later on, but um, I wanted to ask you, first off, did you watch the debate last night? I did, and that's why, one of
0: the reasons I'm extremely uh, t- uh, sleepy, not tired, but sleepy today, because not only did I watch the debate, and I watched all of it, but then I wanted to watch and see what everyone's opinions were on all the channels, because you can't just watch one channel. Right. Because if you go to Fox... They lean a certain way, so you catch theirs. To the right. Then you go to MSNBC. And to the it's left. To the left. Then you go to CNN, <laughs> and they just kind of bounce around, Right. and it's a little left, but you get... So I kind of wanted to see a lot of the coverage. Oh, that's I was cool. Up, I was up to about 11. Uh-huh. I like to hear people's opinions from all the different sides. So I watched the debate, found it to be very entertaining, saw that it was up over the second debate, which... I thought was interesting.
1: Because that was down from the first debate. The ratings, you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first debate was, was up. I mean, it was a huge rating because it was the first time. Biggest ever. But the second one you know, was big because of, it came right after the bus thing with Trump. Mm-hmm. So I, I was surprised this debate actually was larger than the second one. But the ratings were even better for this one. And I thought it was a good debate until the end. It got a little out of control again.
1: We try and do these, um, the Charpy podcast for the normal Billboard listener reader viewer um who you know isn't inside the bubble so oh uh, you did not want to be inside the and, bubble i don't I, like being inside and, the bubble. And bobby is outside the bubble but you are inside the bubble here in nashville which is one thing i want to ask you about a little while but I, I do want to say that you know we were talking about the debate and i've been seeing you um i i listen and i watch and see what's going on with you and i, I just keep si- Expecting to see you pop up as one of the pundits on CNN after one of the... Because you're all over the place. You know? And you got so much going on.
0: The funniest thing was... I tell you, one of the more eye-opening moments of the last... Of this whole political cycle was the day that Trump announced his candidacy. Mm-hmm. He had the speech. And it was the one where he referred to the people crossing over as... Whatever. All all those terms. And I got on the air and I said, guys, this Trump thing is for real. Just because he's speaking in human terms. And they... On CNN... Later that day, they referred to what I was saying, and I was like, whoa, that's the w- – of every weird thing that's ever happened to me, the fact they're in a political forum and they referenced something I said on the radio, that was crazy. So I try to stay out of politics. I'm, a, awesome. I'm an independent – like
1: I just sit back and Wait, I commentate on – You do a great job staying in the middle, and I can't – I was trying to get a feel for who – which way you lean, and I couldn't tell, so – um I think you do a great I job at that
0: on picking on the absurd parts of, kind of both of just them, just making fun of the whole and circus, making fun of what's absurd. Yeah.
1: Um, Bobby Bones show, the syndicated Bobby Bones show, is on about a hundred radio stations, right? It is. And you started here in 2013, um, and congratulations because thank you. Um, just as somebody who moved to Nashville from another place and um, is an ex-radio person, um. You know, you took a legend's place here, kind of. I mean, uh, Jerry Jerry House was already done, pretty much. I think Billy Greenwood was doing the show when you came. WSIX is the flagship station, I should say that, in Nashville. And, you know, it, um, people were expecting you to have a rough time, and you just survived that beginning really well, I thought. And was there any backlash that you felt, in the, or did you just try and ignore that? I think first? survival
0: is the perfect word for my first 18 months. Like I just survived because again I had to replace arguably the greatest country DJ of all time, in Jerry House, and so people didn't know about Billy. And and he was Nashville, and he was, and he Mm -hmm. was in the community. Um, The artists knew him, and I came in, and it was I wasn't just replacing Jerry. They, uh, I was on. It was the first syndicated national country morning show, so I was replacing. Other cities, Jerry Houses.
1: Right, because each town had their own set of Jerry Houses.
0: So here I am, this goofball, and here the show sounds different than what they're used to. And so, yeah, it was really, really, really rough for about 18 months. And then the incline slowly happened.
1: Did you just try and um, not pay attention to the chatter, the noise that was going on in the industry while you were getting ramped up and just keep your eye on the ball.
0: I would love to say that I was completely staying away from it, but you can't because mm-hmm. we all like to look and we all want to be liked and we like to see what people are saying about us. Um, I did the best job I could at keeping myself away from as much negativity as possible. That being said, I always, che- I, mean, I still checked and it, it just wasn't a good time, but I knew that when you replace a legend, that's what happens. Like mm-hmm. I knew that going into it. Right. So at least I had the, it's like if I write a joke and, and I'm working on it for a long time, it starts to not be funny after a while. I'd have to remember, this is a funny joke. Like even though I've been working on it, I've been writing a sketch. Like it, it this is a reason I've started it because it's funny. Even though I don't find it funny anymore, I kind of have to go back to why I started it. So as it was rough, I would think back, okay, you knew it was going to be hard. So you have to survive this this first really tumultuous year, year and a half.
1: What city did you move from, Bobby?
0: Austin, Texas.
1: Okay, and and what station were you on? Can you tell us what yeah. station you were on?
0: So I was on the flagship was KFI in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was that iHeart? It, it was okay. It was Clear Channel. That Before iHeart, yeah, right. And I had built my own syndication company there. And we weren't playing any music, but we were mostly on top 40 stations. We are in other formats. So that was the
1: genre, top 40 before country.
0: But at the same time, I was doing a national sports show on Fox Sports Radio. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was doing an alternative show. And I also did an alternative rock show in Nashville, too.
1: So you had a lot going on back then. I just love music. And did you like country before you came to Nashville?
0: I applied at a country station first. Uh Like I went to US 97 in Hot Springs, Arkansas.
1: Okay. As a kid. Because you grew up in Arkansas. I did. That was one of the things I was going to ask you, so I might as well ask you now. Did you listen to any, um, what kind of music did you listen to as a kid?
0: You know, for me, I grew up on, I mean, a lot of stuff. But, like, Garth Brooks, to me, is the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. You know, we call him the goat. Like, he comes in. That's my favorite thing I've ever done on this show is have Garth come in and play. It's crazy. But my grandma, who raised me for a long time and adopted me for a while when I was a kid, um, she played records all the time. And so growing up young, young, it was always Andy Griffith's gospel albums. Which a lot of people don't even know that he was a singer. right? It was, you know, a lot of the Ray Charles. And from Arkansas, anyone from Arkansas, you really take pride in. So it was a lot of Johnny Cash, like a lot. And so...
1: So you had a good sense of the heritage growing up.
0: Way more the heritage than the current for a long time. Wow. So that's kind of where it started for me. Um, and then, you know, it went into, I would listen to the radio and it was Garth and Tim McGraw were really probably the two biggest artists for me as a kid in country.
1: So what was the light bulb moment for radio? Did, did, was that something you were attracted to as a kid? Because you grew up, you're 30, can I say you're 34, right? not 36. I'm older. 36. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm
0: getting a little long in the tooth here.
1: <laughs> you're an old man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Um, but what kind of radio did you grow up on? And what was the light bulb moment when you said, I, I have to do this?
0: My fifth birthday, my aunt bought me a radio. And the the guy was like, hey, happy birthday to Bobby Estel," which is my real name. And, um, and I was like, wow, I wanted to do that. I've always known what I wanted to do. So, And I would listen to Kissin' 96, US 97, and KLAZ, the pop station. Those are my three
1: stations. K-S-S-N, the country station. Bob Robbins,
0: who I listened to growing up forever. And so... You know, I not only did I love country, but I, I mean, listen, I loved the 90s alternative scene, like in the, the 2000s, I was way into hip hop. I just
1: I just love music. So you are like, um, you know, when I grew up, I'm older than you. So when I grew up, my taste in music was like this wide, really small. We tended to grow up in a genre, basically rock and roll. And that's all we liked and And you know, I do a little teaching now, so I, I work with kids nineteen to twenty three and I know they listen to everything from classical to hip hop and everything in between. And it sounds like you grew up with an open mind for everything too. Well, it's because we have access to it,
0: you know, and I think the more access everyone has, like the kids now have even more access than I did. Like for me, Napster was the game changer. Mm-hmm. So you know, you listen to the radio and you have your few stations, but once digital music started to come along, you could have anything everything you'd be exposed to different your friends would tell you about things and you had it at your fingertips you know when i was a kid kid we didn't have that you had to wait on the radio with record play pause right. and then hit unpause to tape uh, to get it on the tape <laughs> and you to right. keep it and to give it to a friend so now you can just say hey check this out type it in you have access to it so because of all of the influences yeah, you can have readily uh, people are influenced by everything, and you see that in the music now, in country, in right. the, the alternative scene. You know, and I think it's
1: awesome. And what was the first? Your first radio gig was like you're 17, right?
0: Yeah, I worked at KLAZ, so it was the second station I applied to, and they hired me to clean the front, which is the like the <laughs> lobby, and to switch out a countdown CD.
1: Oh, that's classic.
0: It was a Rick D, the Rick D's Weekly Top 40. And before my first weekend, some people got fired for stealing station equipment. And I was 17, I, and they were like, you have to go on the air. We have to give you a
1: name. And I was, okay. So many great people get their start like that. Just it, by accident, it happens.
0: You know, right place, right time, but going and forcing my way in to get that interview. And then working hard to keep it.
1: Wow, that's I ter- awesome. I was
0: terrible. I was terrible for years, though.
1: Uh, but somebody Someone saw something in you, though. That somebody saw something. Yeah, they something. saw
0: that show up on time.
1: Uh-huh. You have to show up on time.
0: That's the most important thing.
1: That, yeah, I okay. think that, too. I mean,
0: That's 90% of it being on time and and working hard.
1: So, fast forward. So, when you came to Nashville, you came from outside the format, but you were already um, adjusted and liked country music and you were ready, you wanted to do it.
0: It was, I had the option to do what I wanted to do. Okay. So, I could have expanded my top 40 show, Mm -hmm. I could have moved over to the alternative format full time uh, and moved to Los Angeles. Or I could have moved to Nashville. I mean, I had options to what I wanted to do. But for me, it was just such an easy decision to make. Like it was, hey, this is happening. Which one do you want to do? Cool. And so it was, well, obviously, I want to go to Nashville. But even they said, they prefaced it with, it's going to be really rough. But I just knew that this was where my personality, where my kind of moral comp where it kind of it fit the best.
1: Your crew of people that you have on the air with you, your group, were they were they with you when you started?
0: My entire crew, all of them. they None of them worked on the radio. And let, let's write them me.
1: down really quick for everybody who's sure. not familiar.
0: Amy's my co-host, my main. She sold granite at a rock store, and <laughs> I, I, I met her. <laughs> from we, Arkansas? We, no, from Austin. Okay. So I met her, uh, and she was a granite salesperson, and then we were friends forever, and I was like, hey, you should come in. Ended up hiring her as my co-host, a friend. Met Lunchbox at a bar. Um, Eddie was my old TV producer. Uh, That's our digital video producer now. Ray, all the people that work in my producer room are old interns. Wow. So Ray is my main audio. Morgan is our executive producer. And Mike, our phone screener slash writer producer, is an old intern. So it's either interns or friends.
1: It's a great crew. Uh, And I must say, uh, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're hanging out with a group of friends. You're eavesdropping. Eavesdropping on this great conversation that's going on, and um, and it just sounds like you're having a great time. Whether you, you know, I don't. I know that having been on radio, you come in in different. Everybody comes in with different moods every day, but you hit the mic, and you're on. Everybody's a pro, right? You have to be a pro.
0: I think with our show, some days or segments are really awful because we don't know how to do radio that well. We just know how to be people. Especially mm-hmm. them. Like, I've been doing radio. Isn't that the charm of it, though? But it's also, yeah, it's the it's the double-edged sword. Like, there's some great times because there's not a lot of radioism in it, but there mm-hmm. are some really awful segments, <laughs> too. So, so, yeah, you take the good with the bad.
1: Amy was selling granite. Mm-hmm. So did you teach her from the – were you her mentor and brought her in? And
0: I think – men, I, I mentored her and just – okay, there's a mic in front of you, but just stay yourself. Mm-hmm. that's the only mentoring I did for her is just stay yourself and don't let that microphone affect anything you're going to say and be yourself all that time.
1: What do you think about on your way to work? What do you listen to? What do you think about Do You shut everything off and try and get in a certain zone.
0: It's so early in the morning. Um, what time I wake up anywhere from two thirty to three, Okay. depending on how much I have to do. Um, I put on uh, my, vo- I just have to loosen my voice up a lot of it too. So, because I'll do hours of, of, liners and spots before a show so a lot of times when i'm driving to work i'll do bumblebee 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 so i'm just i'm really just trying because i know as soon as i walk in it's time to start right so i'm doing that and you know you know do re mi fa sol la ti do i'm doing those <laughs> things and just singing with radio so what i'm thinking about really is i just got to get my voice to a place because as soon as i sit down there's no time to go to the bathroom until after the show's over it's i have stacks and stacks of liners and commercials and I'll do them for hours before I go on the air. So that's really there's nothing super cerebral happening. I wish there was a cool story. There do right you,
1: there. no, that's a good story. Do you guys talk to each other before no. you go on? You just hit the mic and hit the ground running.
0: Nobody on the show has any idea what the show is going to be like except for me. I have I, I do the entire show. You're the
1: only one with a set list. I mean, that's it.
0: I I don't want them to have a set list for the same reason I it's hired. It's like a Springsteen
1: them. show. You're calling Audibles.
0: Well, for them, it's not audible. It's a normal day, right? Because there's not a normal.
1: So they have to be really in. T- you guys are pretty in tune with each other, though, right?
0: Yes, you have to be to do this show because, again, you don't know what's coming. I do, but I want their real life. They're real people. I'm not a real person. I'm like some sort of weird Amazon guy that doesn't have a real life. How
1: do you make sure everybody's involved?
0: I don't. Okay. Yeah, I don't. It's who's providing. Who has the most interesting story part of their life?
1: It's a relationship, so jealousy must happen All the time. from the time to time? All the time. How do you handle that? So-and-so's mad at... Amy's mad at Lunchbox or whatever.
0: Um, when it gets to a boiling point, you sit down and have a talk. If not, you just roll through it, just like you do in normal life. Do you
1: go through um, periods where you're on a streak, like a hitting streak, and then get into slumps? You feel like you're in a slump Absolutely. sometimes? Like, we got to get out of this, people? There
0: are, There are weeks of shows. There are certain shows that are fantastic. There are months where I'm like, man, we've been crushing it. And there are days and weeks where I'm just like, man, we are not in a good place. And it's it all falls on me regardless. It, it all falls on me.
1: The buck stops here. Yeah.
0: I'm Like I'm the leader. Win or lose, you know, it's, it's me. When we all win together. Lose, it's my fault. Do you
1: pay attention to ratings?
0: Yeah. It's hard when you have 100 stations. Mm-hmm. Because you'll have 70 up, 30 down. 75 up, 25 down. <laughs> so, and all I do is focus on the Down all right. the, I don't enjoy winning. I have there's no enjoyment for me in my life in any part of my life in winning. I hate losing.
1: See, this has been the case for um, I was a program director for a long time. Disc jockeys, you could tell them a hundred things 99 will be good, one will be bad. They will focus on that one bad thing. You said
0: it's the insecurity of all of us. Uh-huh. I think any the creative type is the type that's really insecure with themselves. And I mean, I, I'm if not more as insecure as anyone.
1: How it's, many? How many stations did you guys start with? Probably tw- around 30. And you build it to 100 in a short period of time.
0: Three years feels like 20 years.
1: And the countdown show. When did the countdown show start? As soon
0: as I got here. And really? That's 120 stations or so. That was part of it when I came over.
1: Is that your first countdown show that you've done or yeah, have you done others?
0: that was mine. Do
1: yeah. you enjoy it?
0: No, I don't mm-hmm. enjoy it. It's uh-huh. fine. I mean, it's a countdown show. I, mean, it's, I get on and it's it's a music-based show, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, l- I get to play the biggest I mean for me I like to tell stories and connect with listeners the countdown show is just a different mechanism it's just giving the hits to the listeners mm-hmm. they love it right and so I don't not like it but fine
1: it's kind of a synopsis of the week and
0: yeah it's it's like when I go home and watch the news Is it Walking Dead to me? No. But should I? Do I think I need it? Yeah.
1: Did you listen to Casey Kasem when you were a kid? I did.
0: Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. (laughs) Who didn't? Of course. You know, it was Casey Kasem and and Chase and Rick D's. You know, those were the countdowns when I was growing up.
1: Nobody talked up a record like Rick D's.
0: Rick D's, he had Disco Duck. Yeah. I mean, he had songs. Rick D's was an inspiration to me, and he was doing that before I was even born. So Rick Dees was crazy because it was like you can do these other things outside of just being on the radio. But he was, you know, a very standard DJ kind of guy. But you know, my eyes really opened when I would hear like Howard Stern talk like a normal human. Not even his content, but how he would talk. That to me was just like, what in the world is happening on the radio right now? Like mm-hmm. he's talking like a human being. It's like a normal. Because I didn't yeah. have a good voice and I was never going to make it as a DJ. Like I couldn't do it. I I'd be out.
1: You think you don't have a good voice. We all think we don't have good voices, but you have a very distinctive voice that um, is friendly and cuts through. See, I'm your program director that, you this know, ev- every uh, th- That's basically what I get from my, all the girls, too. You know, you're very friendly. <laughs> well, you're, you are, though. You're you're, you're, you're cute. And you're you funny. Know,
0: you're not hot, and you're not – you're cute, you know. But um, I think I – I, I tried to have the deep
1: voice for a long time.
0: I faked it. I'd – I mean, uh, continuous hit music, one hundred five point nine KLAZ. Well, you gonna...
1: must have had a program director tell you you had to have a deep voice in the beginning, yes. right? Because mm, we all had those. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I listen. They tried. They told me to do everything the way it was supposed to be done, and I couldn't do it.
1: Your first interview was Darius Rucker.
0: Ever. It was awful. Except he was awesome.
1: Were your hands shaking?
0: It wasn't. My whole body was probably shaking. Uh uh-huh. um, Yeah, Darius was. All of Hootie and the Blowfish was there, and I was a huge fan, and you randomly were going to get one of the four guys, and I knew them all, but, you know, you root for the lead singer, and they're like, you're going to get, I was 17, you're like, you're going to get Darius.
1: How did that happen? 17 years old, you're interviewing Darius Rucker.
0: Because the interview was like an hour away, and I was the only one that would drive the (laughs) hour to do the interview. With this, this, with Hootie and the Blowfish, who <laughs> at the time they weren't huge, playing like a
1: state fair or something.
0: They were playing an amusement park. Uh huh. Yeah, and so I went over, <laughs> and it was Darius, and I shook, and he he like basically held my hand and led me through the interview, and I was like, I hey, still, I mean, we still talk about it. He was he very kind then, huh? He he's the he's awesome. He doesn't remember it, and uh-huh. I do, but it's um he's still one of the nicest guys.
1: And you've had him on since, right?
0: Oh, 15, 20 yeah. times. Like he's, he's a guy too that I, he's in that rare group of artists that I let into in my personal life because I try to keep myself disconnected.
1: So you are in Nashville. And I said before I made a reference to the bubble, but there must be all kinds of claws over you to get artists in the studio. And I wanted to talk to you for a minute about you champion a lot of music and I really appreciate that. Um, and, but there must be a lot of pressure to, for you to do that from everyone uh the record I, labels i don't
0: feel the pressure because i don't i come i shut everything out like uh-huh. it's just a rule i don't take music from anybody i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might
2: be open to the perfect role like me
0: I wish I had a rich uncle that'd kick the bucket. And I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says
2: money can't buy happiness. But it can buy me a boat. It can buy me a truck to pull it.
1: How do you pick something you want to champion like the Chris Jansen that you, you did?
0: I, uh, let's see. So Chris did not have a record deal. And Chris had done some charity events. And so Chris sent me the song on email. And I have a few friends that send me songs on emails, And I just heard it. I was like, holy cow. And I wasn't... The, the story is I wasn't even going to play it the next day. I didn't hear this thing and go, well, this is amazing. It's about to be a number one song and get him a record deal. Like, I'm not that smart. Mm-hmm. I was just... I told Ray, put it up on the wall, which is the place you push buttons and a song will play. So, like, put put it up on the the, the music page. And if I have any extra time... I may reference it. There was, I wish I was smarter than that. It could be like I knew it was a hit.
1: Because he got the label deal after, after that.
0: Yeah. And so I played it. And as I, I was like, man, this song is so good. So I played it again. And then we started to see it go up iTunes. Because I, t- I don't know the algorithm, but you can check it every 20 minutes or mm-hmm. so and you'll see where the chart. And it climbed and climbed. And we were like, holy cow. So I played it like five times that morning. And, you know, it ended up going to number one or number
1: two on our Hot Country Songs chart.
0: Whatever the case. He got a record deal about it out of it, you know.
1: So and,
0: and it was a top five pops on the on iTunes. It was like a top five right. pop song for that brief, you know, three or four days. It was crazy.
1: Well, it must feel good though when somebody gets a record deal after you
0: I have the the weird thing is record labels will say, Hey, what do you and I'm like, I got nothing to say. I have no investment. And and it's happened with a few artists that have got record deals because of it. I have nothing to do with it.
1: Who are some of your just having on the show and and embracing them? Who are some of the favorite artists that you've you've had on? And I know you've had a lot, so it must be hard to pick.
0: Just generally.
1: Just yeah, I relate to this person. They were a great interview. Sometimes, uh, in my own job, I will have a certain um, thing in my head that I'm thinking about somebody. Then you interview them, and I think they're a really nice guy. She's a really great person. And I really enjoy the interview and can see how much soul they have involved in their and how much they have invested in their career and and the whole package you know it's a
0: format where there are a lot of nice people, but like Dirk Bentley to me is just a good dude and uh, and he's a grinder, like darks has been grinding for a long time and he's just now hitting that a spot you know and there are tears. And now he's hitting it. Like that black album came and this is, that for him has been his superstar. Different album. for
1: girls is he really nailed that.
0: It's just and he's a a great dude and an appreciative dude and a grinder and will do whatever. So Dirk's is the a guy that would come to mind as just being like you'll just see him in his truck and mm-hmm. he's the same guy out there that he is in the studio. you know, a little scatterbrained, but awesome. Um if I need anything, he does you know, Keith Urban. Uh, a guy that I have, I think, a better relationship with off the air than I do on. He doesn't come by the show, like he travels a lot, but we talk and text a lot. Like, and we don't talk about it. But, and then there are people who will help with a lot of the charity stuff just on a drop of a hat. Um, Eric Pasley, who's a great writer and artist. Yeah, I heard you talking
1: about him this morning.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost like, who's your favorite kid? You know, there are about 10 or 12 that are just fantastic. This format, I tell you, Working in all the formats, Alternative's the worst. Pop is a very close second about artists, caring, because you have to have a certain, right. like, in, in country, everyone, even the ones that don't want to, they have to be nice, or people are way turned off by it.
1: Yeah, and it's it comes back from, and I was in radio at the time, you know, us program directors, we were, like, spoiled brats, so if we didn't get the, the free show or whatever, you know, you're not going to play their record, and... And in rock, they just uh, you know, I programmed rock stations where you know uh, this band didn't show up for an interview and the record label would say, "Oh they, they got busy and you would just accept it and move on. But in country, we just expect them to it's a whole different deal. And, and they have to express that with their fans and the radio stations and the jocks and the programmers, and they, a lot of them do a great job at it. Most of them do, I
0: think. I think so too. And you do get spoiled, but listen, I also realized that if I didn't have this job, yeah, probably four fifths of them probably wouldn't know how it was the next day. So you got to remember that, too.
1: You are your job in Nashville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the phone will stop ringing in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, it'll ring for like the first couple of days when you lose your gig, and then, um, and
0: then, hey. And that could be any day. I've been
1: meeting to call you. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> and then when you're back in, it's like, how you been? Yeah. Welcome to Nashville. So here's a question everybody, I'm sure, asks you, but dream interview, anybody alive?
0: Or- I mean, I got to do it. Was Garth the first time? I, we actually had him in again last week, and that was that was a lot of fun because Garth's my favorite, and you never get tired of your your heroes. But the first time Garth came in, I don't get nervous during interviews because people are I, really I just everybody's a person, and so. But Garth was like an angel. And this angel walked in with a guitar and played whatever song I wanted, and it was crazy. And I I wouldn't listen back to it because I didn't want to hear something stupid that I said,
1: or it was just. Just can you listen to yourself back or do you have to sometimes it's hard sometimes, right?
0: Nobody likes the sound of their own voice and I don't like to second guess things, but there are little technical aspects to radio that I need to improve on. And so when it comes to the tactical side of things, I will listen back, not for content or how did I do, but there are tactical things to get the most out of ratings that I have to go back and listen to.
1: How do you uh, reprimand somebody on your crew?
0: It's weird because it's a friend boss relationship. But you,
1: you have to be their boss too. Most of the time, you're the quarterback. So most
0: of them are good about knowing the difference. Like, all right, so hat switch time. This is what you did wrong.
1: Do you ever do it right during the show? You can't wait, or you wait nah, till after.
0: No, never during the show. Okay, I'll cut someone off. Like I'll turn someone's mic off.
1: Uh huh. Oh, you have?
0: Oh yeah. Like that happens even if, if they're not in trouble. Like if they're just out of control, or <laughs> or I just I'm like, hold on a minute, we'll get you. I turn mics on and off all the time.
1: And do they ever get upset? I would get upset about that. Hey, Bobby no, just turned it's my just mic the, off. it's
0: the culture of it. Okay. I mean, my mic should be turned off about half the time.
1: <laughs> do you guys meet after every show? No, we never meet. Oh, okay.
0: We, we'll meet one-on-one occasionally if we're resetting for something. We're about to get into a, a big new project. If we're launching a new web series then I just need to clue everybody in on. Is
1: it better not to talk about the show right afterwards?
0: I don't think there's a better or worse. I think everybody's style is different. The same way... I don't think my style of not telling the rest of the show what we're gonna do is right. I think it's just right for my people,
1: right. So it works that, for your
0: yeah, it's not the it's it's not good or bad. I think with personalities, not radio personalities just generally, you have to manage personalities differently, and I do I manage all of them separately differently and together.
1: you well, know what do you want listeners to feel from listening to your show?
0: Just that we're telling the truth, you don't have to like it. You don't have to like me. Sometimes you will. Sometimes I'm a huge idiot or jerk or I'm the nicest guy ever. But just know that it's just the truth. And it's my truth. It doesn't mean it's the real truth. Like, I'm telling you my truth. And sometimes you're just not going to like it. But just respect, hopefully, that I'm always coming from the place of just being authentic. Because as soon as we lose our authenticity, we're done. Like, we're not a show anymore. We're out.
1: What's the best compliment a listener can tell you?
0: I sat in the car for five more minutes to finish the segment
1: that parking lot moment, yeah. the driveway moment.
0: Cause everybody who wants to sit in their car, nobody wants to sit in their car for five more minutes. Like you get home, you get out of your car and I sat in the car for five more minutes. Yeah.
1: That's a great thing. And can you tell, you know, there were some, you know, I never had multiple stations when I was a jock, but there were some mornings you'd be on the air and I would think, is anybody listening to this? And, and then some mornings you would feel like it's like, you could almost feel people, even though you can't see them, you could feel some sort of electricity.
0: Some mornings I wonder, why are people listening to
2: this?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, and and there are certain – the culture, though, of radio has changed, too, where people don't call as much. Just generally, they can tweet.
1: It's a different day.
0: They they can text. They can write on Instagram. So it's not like someone's going to call and want to really sit on hold.
1: In the other way, they have so much access to you that they didn't have before.
0: They do, and I love that until they try to stab me. Then it gets a whole different situation
1: because there used to be a mystery where you don't know what the person looked yeah, like.
0: I never know the dudes yeah. look like. The I grew up listening to.
1: Do you guys videotape every show?
0: Yeah, there's always there's audio and video and extra and podcasts and uh, content that has nothing to do with what happened on the air, but it's just a another arm of the show. Always.
1: And, and by the way, congratulations! You've been here since 2013. It's like you got you have a whole record catalog out now. You have how many albums out? Two. You yeah. just put the Kittyots album out. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, the children's album is... Just tell everybody for anybody. Uh,
0: Yeah, so uh, we have a band called The Raging Idiots. And so we did a a kids' record called The Raging Kiddiots. Right. And it's... It's doing great. uh, Inspirational and motivational and educational, and that was the goal. But, you know, we put a comedy record out first, and we weren't... Like, we really weren't going to do... The comedy record was number one Billboard comedy record, um, top five country record. So that was weird. We weren't going to do listen I can't really sing that well and I'm the lead singer I don't know how many bands have like a mediocre or less lead singer but I can write funny
1: so when you do shows live in towns, you're selling out all these shows when you go into cities yeah. are you doing stand-up comedy are you doing the music are you doing a combination of everything
0: so here, the Raging Idiots started as Eddie and I traveling around with one guitar and playing all for charity until we reached a million then two million dollars so you've done a lot for charity but, but my point was we were never there was never a real thing it was never going to be a let's go tour and sell it was we, we were playing restaurants and be happy with it and it turned into this thing where we we were well we're going to get a record deal so we're going to start playing theaters where um then so it's all music the raging idiots is music but what i wanted to do was as we were selling music shows i i opened i still do i opened for the band doing stand up comedy and i wanted to train myself as the band was growing and i was only marketing the band Mm-hmm. to To be a better stand-up comic. So I would do 20 minutes to 25 minutes. And so now it's time to go out and do a full stand-up tour. And I've been doing stand-up dates by themselves for a while, too.
1: Have you done any in Nashville? I yeah. want to see you do the stand-up act.
0: Yeah, I did. Well, what was supposed to be where I was working out new material, I did the theater in Franklin, the Franklin Theater. And I, was, I really was going to kind of keep it low and just do it. Because you work on new material. Some of it doesn't work you you're out there. It's the worst. Like stand up comedy is the worst and the greatest thing. So different than radio. And you're out there on an island and you're it's either like you're naked, sinking right? or you're swimming. You're Michael Phelps. It's one of the two. And so I wanted to go work on. It, but then everybody, like people, started wanted to come. And oh, so I was, so I did two shows back to back. One of them I did all all the new the, the stuff that I wanted to work out. And the other one I did like my full power routine. Uh huh. And I made sure that the people that wanted to come from the industry saw like the good stuff. So <laughs> I kind of had to position them. You know, I knew the late show; no one wanted the nine thirty show. Everybody probably want to go home. <laughs> so I saved that one for when I was. So I did two shows that night. But when,
1: yeah, when did you think about wanting to write a book?
0: I wanted to write a kids' book. Mm-hmm. I never thought, and I still don't think I deserve to write a memoir. And so I went to to pitch a kids' book, and as I told my life story about why I wanted to write this kid's book. They had said, Hey, well tell us more and we think you should write an adult book. And I was like, Oh, I didn't feel comfortable with it. Um, so I wrote a little bit and they were they really wanted me to write the adult book. Actually, it sounds dirty. They wanted me to write the um the memoir. Mm-hmm. The adult book sounds Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> so I um It was really weird for me because I never I never thought at this point I deserved to write that, and I still don't. And I was never going to read it back because, frankly, it was embarrassing. And so, not not the things in the book, but the fact that I that I was like, "Here's, I'm so important. I have a book." I never felt that way. Did you come up with the title? I did. Yeah. I'm not lonely if you're reading this book. Yeah, it's great title. Uh, I was. Listen, self-deprecation is where it's easiest for me. If Mm -hmm. I make fun of myself then it's harder for other people to
1: the best disc jockeys in my opinion, the best talk show hosts are self deprecating David Letterman, Howard Stern, you, my it's two just, heroes
0: in order, David Letterman and Howard Stern.
1: I mean, they really can make fun of themselves and pull it off. And you do that too. And I know we're reaching the end here, but I just want to congratulate you. The, the book's doing fantastic. Thank on you. The New York times bestseller list for four weeks, I think. Right. Um, and, and it's just got to feel good. How do you feel right now? What's next for you? There's an,
0: like I said earlier, like nothing feels good. I just don't want to feel bad. So I don't, I don't. I don't. Listen, I have to get back in therapy. I spent a lot of time in therapy, and then I kind of got. I was just busy. I can't do that anymore. I have to learn to enjoy things. So my goal is to start enjoying things more. Um, I hate losing. I don't enjoy winning. I should start enjoying winning a little bit because it's going to be gone soon. So. That's a goal of mine is to somehow find some joy in some of the good that's happening around me.
1: How do you turn it off?
0: I don't know. Uh, I don't turn it. It never goes off.
1: So you told me you're out running Hills. You yeah. said, talked about that on the air. Yeah. Do you I, turn I, it off while you're running. Or are you listening to music? What do you do when you're running?
0: Um, I hate it.
1: <laughs> just want it to be over. Yeah.
0: It's just, it's the hour where I'm focused on how much this really sucks. Like, I hate, uh-huh. I hate exercising. So that's
1: not meditational for you. No, <laughs> like five days a week
0: for an hour. I, my brain is not on work. It's on how much I hate exercising.
1: A lot of people probably don't know this. That you've done a triathlon, something I just found out this morning.
0: A couple. Yeah. The first one I did, I did not know it was an Olympic triathlon. I thought I was doing the half.
1: Which is tell everybody how long. It's a mile. Dis- you start and with and the time. swimming first.
0: You swim first because you want to drown. They put it at the end. <laughs> you drown because you'd be so tired. So you swim a mile first, and then you bite twenty six miles, and you run six. And so I thought I was doing half that, and I show up, and I just did an impress a girl. That's all I, I just, that's all I've been doing my whole life, uh-huh. trying to get a girlfriend. And so I did it, and I remember uh, finishing, and she beat me, and I was like, man, I have to train harder. And so we both signed up the next year. Then she broke up with me, and then it was just I had to beat the time that, and I trained hard. Did you anger? I anger trained. Anger and sadness trained me. That makes for, you work hard, though, right? For two months, that's what I did on my radio show. Anger and sadness. It makes me work really hard.
1: And you're going to do another one? Would you do another one?
0: I would do another one. Yeah, it was not. It, again, I need lots of different things.
1: And as somebody who can't swim, because I, I can't, I would never be able to do triathlon. What's your favorite event? The running, swimming, biking?
0: I hate none them all. Of, none of the yeah, above. No, I don't, I'm not a big <laughs> fan. of I just like to switch up. That's what I like. The change of them. Yeah. That's why I like to do different things. I do the radio show, I have the Raging Idiots I do the stand-up, I have the book So for me, it's just about I like different things, I like to try, I like to fail Because if I'm not failing, then I'm not trying Things that make me uncomfortable
1: Well, you're not failing, congratulations on all of your success Thank you for um, doing this no, This no, morning Thank you, And um, Bobby, congratulations to you again And good luck to you and, and everything you've got going And um, hopefully we'll talk again Thank you very much
0: When it's um. early In the morning, and it's time to wake up, didn't sleep long enough, you missed your alarm, and here comes the buzz, and you can't find your shoes, and don't have a lunch. Be nice, because your mama said so. Be nice, even when she says no. Be nice, when grandma's driving too slow.
2: Hold up.